0: Welcome to KYH2O, a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. I'm Carmen Agaritas, an Extension Associate Professor in the Biosystems and Agricultural Engineering Department at the University
1: of Kentucky. And I'm Amanda Gumbert, an Extension Specialist for Water Quality with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Join us as we get our feet wet exploring Kentucky's water resources. Welcome back to another episode of KYH2O. Carmen and I are in the studio, and Carmen got to do an interview in an interesting place here in central Kentucky. So tell us about that, Carmen. I went to Floracliff,
0: uh, which is right along the Palisades, where the, where the Kentucky River is at, um, right near I-75. And in Floracliff, I was able to talk to Steve Greb, who's from the Kentucky Geologic Survey, as well as uh, Beverly James, who
1: helps manage Floracliff. So Steve Grebs is a really interesting guy. I've recently gotten to hear him speak about geology. So let's listen to him describe what the Palisades are in case some of our listeners are not familiar with that.
2: The Kentucky River comes out of the coal field, heading west until it intersects the Lexington fault system. Then it heads south, and then it hits another series of faults and continues west towards Frankfurt. We're sitting on the edge of that in the Palisades, which is a deep gorge. And the reason it's a deep gorge is about a million years ago the river, what the, the river that this river joined created a new path. And that shortened the length of the river, so the river was forced to cut down and it made this beautiful gorge. So a fault is a break in the earth's surface across which movement has occurred. So one side goes up, one side goes down, or blocks of the earth slip side by side. It's two layers that are multiple layers, so the vertical sense of layers, Mm -hmm. that are moving up or down relative to the other side or side to side relative to the other side. For central Kentucky, it's much different than the bluegrass region, where it's kind of low rolling hills, so it looks dramatically different.
1: So Carmen, have you been able to see the Palisades a lot You know, in your experience of exploring our landscape here in Central Kentucky, have you been there or able to see it yourself? The easiest place I've found to see the Palisades is actually
0: going to Raven Run and going to the Overlook. And that's a place I know a lot of people have visited because you can see the river and you can see the, the various rock layers along there. But it is going to be a bit of a, like it says, an Overlook, you're looking up and looking down.
1: I think it's just a really beautiful portion of our landscape here in Central Kentucky and along the Kentucky River. Um, I've actually seen it from a boat. If you go to Shaker Village, you can go on their ferry boat and um, we took some teachers out for a teacher workshop a few years back and it was really a nice experience to see it from the water and that's really the best way to see the Palisades is from the water.
0: And it's such a unique feature um, because when I first moved up to Lexington and Kentucky, um, I had no idea we had our own version of a gorge like the Palisades in here. So I typically think about the Grand Canyon when I see something like this, but it was so
1: neat to actually see something like the palisades and have it in our own backyard yeah i think it's really interesting too that a lot of us don't know about it or don't see it because if you just drive on the interstate and you go across the bridge at um, the kentucky river you're so far up you're so elevated above the palisades it's really hard when you're you know running down the interstate at whatever speed you choose to drive <laughs> but it's hard to to see that and um, i think in some of our um, You know, when we used to use the ferry or folks maybe use the old bridge at Clay's Ferry, you might be able to see it a little better. Um, But it it is kind of a hidden gem. You know, some of our listeners might be curious about how the Palisades were formed. Um, So Steve, as a geologist, does a really great job of describing these layers of rocks and what you all were looking at while you were out in the field.
2: It's, it followed these weaknesses and cut down and because the bedrock is this solid limestone and dolomite, it forms relatively steep-walled palisades.
0: When we were out at Raven Run, we came across uh, and hiked along a waterfall that was out there. And what was really interesting was hearing Steve talk about the number of waterfalls we actually have in the palisades.
1: Yeah, because that's not something that I think about as really a bluegrass region feature, our waterfalls. So, um, and I've hiked down to one of the waterfalls that is on the Floor Cliff property. Um, a friend of mine used to be the preserve manager there. And so, um, this has been many years ago, but while she was there, I would hike with her on occasion. And um, first of all, Floor Cliff, also where you, you were doing your interview, is just really a beautiful place. Um, but also just very unique ge- geology and landscape features to be in the inner bluegrass.
2: So there's a lot of waterfalls on the side of the gorge because that water that's draining from the rest of the bluegrass is trying to get down to the Kentucky River. And there's going to be resistant rock layers that it has to flow over to get down to the river.
0: When we were out at Flora Cliff, uh, one of the interesting things was We would look around at some rocks and you could actually see fossils in them Um, and that's something that until I came up to this area I wasn't really even thinking about fossils being in the rocks and it was really interesting to hear Steve talk about um, fossils we do have in the bluegrass and why they're here.
2: So all the rock that the Palisades are in are carbonate rocks that forms from calcium and carbonate under the ocean. So we have limestone and dolomite that formed millions of years ago in a shallow sea. That shallow sea had the kind of life in it that you expect in a shallow sea. Little uh, seashells and small things crawling around on the floor. They left their fossils in the rock for us to find.
1: So listening to your interview with Steve really made me think about soils because you know most things, I relate back to soils, Carmen, um, as well as water. But, you know, thinking of the way Steve describes um, the age of our rocks and the layers just kind of made me think, oh, it's similar to the horizons or the layers in soils. And so really what we're hearing him describe is water being an influence on geologic formation. So water influencing geology. In turn, geology influences soil formation and then soil formation and soil properties influencing water and it becoming this very interesting cycle, if you will, um, of, of what's really driving our, our ecosystems in the inner bluegrass.
2: So younger rocks overlie older rocks. So the youngest rocks are on top. And then as you come down through the falls and down to the river, you're getting older and older. And in fact, the Kentucky River is the, whatever the river level is, the oldest rocks in the state are exposed at low water level at the surface because central Kentucky is a broad arch or platform. And then the eastern part of the state and the western part of the state have younger rocks at the surface. So it's kind of like a bulge in the middle of the state and the Kentucky River carves down into that bulge. Each of the rock beds is like a page in a book. And you can look at that rock bed and you can interpret something about Kentucky's ancient history.
1: So Carmen, he also mentioned the influence of geology on our local culture, which I found kind of interesting. You know, I think most of us are familiar with rocks and geology probably just by seeing them in our road cuts. And I've heard Steve also say in a separate conversation how lucky we are in Kentucky that our transportation cabinet has historically decided that they won't build all of our roads in valleys or on hilltops, but they'll actually cut through a hill or a mountain to to see and expose some of these rocks. And so it's interesting um, that we have these and we have them available to look at. But let's listen to him also describe how some of our ancestors used our local stone in construction.
2: Well, some of the different rock layers that are exposed were rock layers people thought were prettier than other rock layers so they would look nicer as a stone. So the Tyrone limestone which is a whiter colored uh, limestone than some of the others the Lexington is a blue-gray they would use that in some of the uh, churches and some of the historic buildings around town and they would haul that in from the Palisades uh, to get to wherever that construction site is. So there are many buildings around central Kentucky historic buildings that are made out of that Tyrone limestone.
0: That was um, one of the things when I came up to Kentucky in the Bluegrass area was seeing all the rock fences. So that was a unique cultural aspect that we think about in the Bluegrass region. But the other was the number of homes or buildings that had rock as an exterior component to them. And to me that was a really beautiful aspect. Um, when you came into there. And the fact when Steve is talking about the Tyrone layer or this white rock because of its color, how prized it was and while we were standing out there, we were trying to imagine what it would have been like, you know, centuries ago for somebody to go to the Palisades and harvest that rock and then bring it all the way back to say Lexington and what the importance of those buildings must be to utilize that rock because of the whiteness or the purity looking of it.
1: Right, and think about the resources it would have taken for an individual or a group of people to be able to do that. You know, how many, you know, horses and wagons and, you know, mules or, or what whatever they were using to haul that material. Think of, of just how labor intensive it would have been and then I think about how we are now, and we probably wouldn't have the patience to go and, and, and take the time that they did and invest the time to move that type of stone. Um, I guess it makes sense why it took a long time to build buildings and why some of those have really stood the test of time is they, you know, they were able to, they knew the resource that we had locally and they also knew the time investment that it would take. So something else that you got to see while you were out in the field, Carmen, was some interesting geologic formations. So tell us about that. We hiked along
0: uh, Elklick Falls and Floricliff And when we got to the bottom of the falls, we walked up the stream to look where it was at, and it looks like the rock has melted. Um, it's called flowstone, and at that point I had no idea that such a thing exists, but it makes part of the waterfall look like a giant slip and slide. It is the coolest thing to look at and a lot of it according to Steve has to do with the fact that we have carbonate rock and that water gets super saturated with it and when it gets exposed to the atmosphere it starts to precipitate or drop out and create this slide looking formation. It really looks like the falls have melted into each other at that point.
2: So here at Floracliff, they have a very exceptional flowstone deposit. It used to be called the Petrified Falls, and it looks like a rock waterfall. It's a type of rock we call flowstone. It's just another type of limestone. But water is coming out of the hillside, and it's super saturated with calcium carbonate. And then when it comes out of the hillside, that carbonate precipitates, and it makes this Flowstone, kind of like what you would see in a cave underground, but here it's at the surface.
1: So I had the chance, Carmen, to go um, to Mammoth Cave and um, another small cave, not part of the national park system recently. And so we saw some of this flowstone. So it was interesting that at near the same time I'm gonna listen to your interview with Steve and it, it is really beautiful. And what I saw was inside a cave. And so Steve mentioned that this is typically the kind of thing you see inside a cave and not outside. And what I thought was kind of interesting is the, the, the trip guide that we had called it cave drapery because of just this um, flowing type pattern that, that the, the mineralogy creates. And she also called it cave bacon, which I thought was the strangest little thing. But I guess if you think about um, if you cook a slice of bacon and it kind of makes the ripples in the little wave-like formation, that's exactly what these formations looked like in a cave system. So um, apparently flowstone can take on a variety of different shapes as well. And it makes sense, right? Depending on how that water moves. Um, but it does take a pretty long time for this stuff to form.
0: It, it does take a long time. And, and if you go to Floral Cliff and you go to the bottom of Elklick Falls, it's a neat contrast because you can see part of the falls having that layering that Steve talks about, but then the other side along to it, you can see where it's more of that flowstone, and it's a much more smooth appearance, and this is something that takes, you know, geologic time to form.
1: And so those two features are side-by-side. Side. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a prize then that we have at Cliff. So if some of our listeners are interested in, in seeing some of these uh, formations like the Palisades, are there places they could go check out? There are. Um, obviously floor Cliff is an option, but flooror
0: Cliff is not open to the public. It's private. Um, but you can't they do run classes that they have there. Uh, they do have um, private visits that you could arrange, but you would need to set that up. So don't just drive out to floor Cliff and expect to, to walk onto the property. Our park system in Lexington, so the Lexington Park and Recreation, Raven Run is a classic example that a lot of people like to go through. It's right along the Palisades. And so you can get a feel for what the streams look like in the Palisades area, the steepness of it, some of those waterfalls that we've been talking about, and obviously that that overlook. Um, And then you could also go onto the Garrett County side or the Mason County side and get a view that's a little bit different. And in talking to Steve, there's also differences in geology, whether you're on the north side of the river or the south side.
1: Oh, interesting. So um, I dug around a little bit too after I, I listened to your interview and um, there's the Tom Dorman State Nature Preserve that's over on the Garrard County side of, of the Kentucky River and it is open to the public. It is a state nature preserve and there are some hiking trails there. There's not a lot of parking according to their website. So if you're gonna go as a group, you might wanna carpool. Um, But certainly a a good opportunity to see it. And and also, um, I think we should encourage our listeners to look at it from the water. Paddling on the river in a a drier month of the year is an opportunity to see the oldest rock formations. So those would be exposed as the river level is down. So if our listeners are really interested, um, that's the best place to, to view the Palisades.
0: So one of the other things um, besides the waterfalls, which were a really cool feature that we saw at the Palisades, and those of us, you know, obviously living in the bluegrass are very familiar with, are springs. And there were a number of springs um, out at Flora Cliff, and obviously around the general area. And one of the neat things that Steve talked about, which I hadn't even thought about, was how volcanic activity in, you know, more ancient times influenced the location of where those springs were at.
2: So many of the springs on in the bluegrass and on the upper end of the palisades here come out in the top of a rock and are called the Tyrone limestone. And the Tyrone has a couple of beds in the top that are called bentonites. They're a clay from ancient volcanoes. So they're actually ancient volcanic ash falls. But they made these widespread clay layers. And when the water hits those, it can't get down through them easy. So it tends to ride the top of those and come out at the surface as a spring. They were probably out towards what we'd call Virginia now, and they were just these giant volcanic eruptions. So A lot of our springs that are near the bottom of the Lexington limestone, top of the Tyrone limestone, you'll see many springs on a map at the top of the Tyrone limestone, and that's usually because of those Mennonite layers.
1: So these are very interesting features that the Palisades bring to us. And um, with these interesting features also comes lots of you know, different habitats and diversity, um, and so it's real important I think for us to remember that these are unique habitats and potentially fragile. So, do we have you have some thoughts, Carmen, about what we could do at, to be better stewards of our palisades?
0: Floor Cliff is a great example. So it's a it's a nature preserve where they where they protect it, um, and it's like a lot of things we do when we go hiking or any place that we go into it's like the saying leave only footprints, take only photos, take only pictures. Um, so those are things that if we go visit uh, the parks or anything like that we should we should keep in mind. But a lot of other things is is related to our land use development. If you look at an aerial photograph of the Palisades you're going to notice just a narrow band Uh, of trees alongside of it, so I think anything that we can do to protect and preserve that bandwidth at which we have, um, to consider also, you know, the presence, can we keep invasive species out, can we do anything to protect our water is also going to have a very
1: positive effect on the Palisades. Excellent. And for our listeners, um, let's listen to Steve talk about some resources that you can seek out and to learn more about geology in Kentucky, but also specific information about the Palisades.
2: The Kentucky Geological Survey has a website where they can look up fossils and earth history. There's also, if they're very interested in fossils in central Kentucky, there's the Kentucky Paleontological Society. It's an amateur club that meets once a month and they take trips and they have lectures about fossils.
1: And I will affirm that the Kentucky Geological Survey's website is really a great resource. It's full of information, for anyone who's interested in geology, learning more about um, the resources that we have here in Kentucky, um, tips and and you know extra resources if you're an educator and you'd like to bring this into your classroom or your non-formal education setting. So um, just like to really encourage our listeners to learn more about our local geology. Um, go visit the Palisades and um, take good care of them. So any last thoughts from you, Carmen? I would say it's a beautiful feature that everyone in Kentucky should go and visit
0: because it's, uh, it's absolutely gorgeous.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks for listening, and remember to tune in and um, subscribe and rate us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform.
2: You've been listening to Carmen Agaritas and Amanda Gumbert. Learn more about water at uky.edu. Forward slash BAE, forward slash KYH2O. Subscribe to hear all episodes of KYH2O.